0: Are we doing a test or are we just going for it?
1: We're going right into it, baby.
0: Okay. Shoot. We're going to be talking about chapter nine, right? Yeah. Uh, Jumping
1: right in. Grim defeat. Grim defeat. We are the basic snitches. Oh, yes. Hi. Hello. This is me. (laughs) This is me. And that is that bitch.
0: (laughs) Hi, I'm Um, that
1: bitch. She's 100% that bitch. She's the one that Lizzo warned you about. we are trying something new today hopefully it works hopefully we are both on zoom and our phones and zencaster just so using all the things that is right anchor is a beach because as you could tell like in the last few episodes the sound quality was up and down you already got this message from editing adam in the one episode tara has a brand new microphone and we're gonna try this
0: we're gonna see how it goes guys
1: yes because
0: i don't know
1: all right all right so the as tara said today we're reading grim defeat
0: yes do you want to hear who won and lost chapter eight Mm -mm. i always ask you that i I should know better I should know know that you don't really care what I have to say, but I'm going to say it anyway.
1: I care, I
0: promise. Mm
1: -hmm. But you do always ask me.
0: I do always ask. (laughs) Um, So the chapter eight loss goes to Hermione. Someone had to lose and it goes to her because she has zero tact regarding someone's dead pet. So yikes. And then the win goes to Lupin. I love any time with Lupin and Harry. Someone had to win the chapter. (laughs) It was one of those things where I was like, well, no one really won or really lost.
1: Is that Hermione's first loss? Yes. I'm pretty certain. Ah I'm pretty certain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. These are really heavy Snape Draco motherfucker chapters. Oh yeah. this whole like string of them. (laughs) I like your left turn there.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, don't worry. (laughs) They're going to lose some shit.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're losing a life right now. (laughs) So... Tara wrote me a thing. Please read it. Okay. Chapter. She didn't write the chapter here, so I can't remember what it's called. (laughs) Chapter 9, Grim Defeat. Sleepover! And, ah, yes, it's Cohen. Oh, yeah. Also, there's a murder... Oh no! Already fucking up. Oh yeah! Also, a murderer is maybe in the castle, so the teachers are gonna go look for him. And actually, nobody is allowed to talk. So actually, the slumber party, the slumber party, slumber party, <laughs> this slumber party kind of sucks. Anyway, the teachers don't find Sirius Black and also everyone is terrible at having conversations that should actually be private, perhaps not in the Great Hall with all the students right fucking there, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione eavesdrop on Dumbledore and Percy, and then Dumbledore and Snape because they are nosy bitch. And now it's time to practice for Quidditch, but the Slytherins are not playing because Malfoy is still milking his injury. so now they're going to play Hufflepuff. But before the match, we must turn to page 394, and watch Snape be an asshole to Hermione, because that's just what he does since he is the very worst. Also, Ron gets in a good burn and is rewarded with detention because, again, Snape is the worst. So now it's time for the Quidditch match and it's storming. Which seems like completely ideal conditions for a sport that involves flying and minimal safety measures. But don't worry, nothing significant happens. Just a boring part where Harry sees Dementors and probably the Grim Witch, if you forgot, is a death omen, and then falls off his broom. That's a Harley. But I, I need to pause. Pause. You know what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I'm drinking this sweet wine I got from Wink that I don't like mixed with peach and honey. Aha. Uh-huh. I didn't just do dots of Jaeger or anything like that. I'm not drinking tequila. I'm drinking wine that I do not like with seltzer. What is the problem? What the problem is? I don't know. But that's hardly relevant. So Gryffindor loses to Hufflepuff. Dumbledore saves Harry's life. And Harry's broomstick is destroyed by the Whomping Willow not a dick joke <laughs> that one was written by tara <laughs> that was very good that was like short and to the point because you know that the next chapter is not gonna be that so well, you know me so all of these chapters in this book pack so much into oh them God, too like real? so we open with the sleepover yeah we do first of all sleepover in the great hall would be amazing I think.
0: I think it would be great, you know, if they were allowed to actually have a sleepover, but they're literally like,
1: you sleep here now, shut up and go to sleep. Exactly. there ain't no pillow fights. Ain't nobody doing each other's nails. Yeah, it's pretty lame. There's no video games That's because Percy's in charge. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) The least that Dumbledore could have been was order some pizza for everybody.
0: Right? Come on. But
1: no, they don't even get any of that. The Great Hall isn't going to be super comfortable to sleep in, Well, obviously. Dumbledore
0: does give them squashy purple sleeping bags.
1: That is right. So they have something comfortable to sleep in, but... I liked that Harry made the description of it being like they were sleeping outside with all the ghosts and the ceiling being bewitched to look like the night sky. So that's why I was like, "Oh, this is super cute. I feel like it would be fun to sleep it in there." It would
0: be. Like I said, if it wasn't, you know, terrifying and Percy Weasley wasn't in charge. And, and like... this is
1: one of those other moments where Percy's like, "It's me time. It's I get to be time. in charge." <laughs> Not me time. Like Percy isn't getting a pedicure right now. That's typically Percy's me time, but you know what I mean? It's like the spotlight is on me. I get to be in charge. That's our Percy Weasley. Something else comes up here that you mentioned in the last chapter about how the that lady's portrait gets slashed. Where are all the adults? Are you about to tell me that we just had a conversation a couple chapters ago about how it takes them hours to find the divination classroom and- 20 professors how many adults there are in this building are going to search the entire castle right serious black they're not going to like pair up like they do in clue because they got a lot of ground to cover and you think that one of these professors is going to take serious black if he's as bad as they say he is right that is not a very good decision i mean what decision do they have i guess like they yeah do what they got to do but so i thought about that but then also something that happens in the next chapter reveals some magical technology that would have helped them in this instance If they had a Marauder's Map or something similar, they would be able to see who is all in the castle. You know what I
0: mean? Well, yeah, but the teacher who knows about the Marauder's Map can't tell them about it.
1: Well, yeah, I know that. But, like, if they were able to, like, create the technology as a child, the professors of Hogwarts should somehow be able to access this sort of magic. That would be good. Yes.
0: Just more failure there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah McGonagall can't do it all i suppose the other thing that they talk about during this part is like all the ways that uh he could have entered the castle and everything some of it is like among the students like someone says like oh he maybe he apparated Mm -hmm. in or whatever hermione is like okay y'all didn't read hogwarts history that's our hermione Um, But the interesting thing is, during this, even though I know what's coming up and how this book goes, and it's not specifically mentioned in the book either... Like, I was going to ask, like, how do you think Sirius did get in? And it's, like, in the next chapter, basically. There's, like, the secret passage right underneath the Whomping Willow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sirius Black was one of the creators of the Marauder's Map. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things that was like, oh, it's right there. And, like, I didn't even think about it, you know?
0: I think it's really fun to look back on it. I really do like the kids, like, having their conversation, though. Because, I mean, that's what you're going to do. So
1: Absolutely. It's not very fair for Percy to be, like, lights out in whatever minutes. Like, everybody's still scared. This is different. There isn't even room for a puppet show.
0: For real. Which is sad. The puppet show was good times.
1: <laughs> it was. There isn't even any room for us to like hold a blanket up. I know. And because then... we were not in the puppet show. <laughs> That's a Puffs reference oh, for all of you who I listening who Puffs. did not come to Puffs. I know. I just had something come up in my Facebook, the throwback or whatever. And it was like the day that my script came. Oh. It was was like a right about a year ago
0: it so much Um, i do actually like that there's like continual information about the security of hogwarts and how hermione explains you can't just apparate and all of this kind of stuff like i think it's just really nice to be reminded by that since we see this whole story through a child
1: as we get further in these series And the magical world becomes more and more complicated. I am gonna be interested to see how Hermione sometimes is like the reminder of like, yes, this might seem a little bit like strange or out of the norm, but here is like how it really is. Cause Mm -hmm. I done read every book that ever was, you know. For real. So of course, this is where Harry is like, what the hell? Everybody's so worried about me still. Uh we get another little puffs reference there because Quen Hannah talks (laughs) about the flowery shrub.
0: I just want to point out the conversation that Dumbledore and Snape have. First of all, as I I said in my recap that you read um I think it's ridiculous that they're having this conversation in front of the children like I don't care if you know the children are all sleeping like go into the fucking like main hallway and chat or I don't know cast a spell so no one can hear you you irresponsible idiot teachers Jesus fucking Christ but I love the Snape's like I'm gonna have this conversation with you not just in front of these children but he's like trying to hide from Percy that he's saying this stuff and I'm like This should be a sign that you should go out somewhere else. Get the fuck out of the Great Hall. We don't know, obviously, in this point, but it's implicating that Lupin helped Sirius into the castle.
1: That's like another little clue to the stuff around Lupin. Like, we definitely saw a few little clues here and there about like Quirrell, to an extent, Lockhart as well. So, I almost wonder, like, at this point in the series, if you're catching on to some of these clues that are popping up about the Defense Mm -hmm. Against Dark Arts Professor. But also, in that moment, like, what are you supposed to think? Like, is it Hagrid again? Or is it Lupin? Because Snape says something along the lines of... Someone you uh, appointed. Yes. Yeah. Yet again, Hagrid is kind of, like, getting blamed for the shit that the Defense Against the Dark Arts... I mean, in this case, the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher isn't doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But there's almost that possibility that Hagrid could be the one instead of Lupin.
0: Also, I do love that there's a continual reminder that Dumbledore doesn't want Dementors around. And Percy asks him, don't the Dementors want to help and Dumbledore's like yeah fuck that
1: yeah those exact yeah. words this is one of the first times where we get some sense of Dumbledore's power mm-hmm. and his influence we haven't really seen him get like enraged either mm-hmm. <laughs> until this moment which I think is interesting comparatively what happened last year I feel like it's almost like a bigger impact for the student body as long as precautions are taken and everything for serious Black this year it's almost like, well, Harry's the only one that's in danger. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's probably not true if Sirius Black was really that bad of a guy. But then when you think about like the real bad guy has been in this castle now for the last few years, too. Right. Um, in this instance, Dumbledore is almost getting a little bit more serious. That's not supposed to be I a pun. I, that's not I, literally to could, joke. I literally was like, what's the right word? it's not about being angry it's like taking the situation more seriously this is the first time we see that which I think is almost a little bit strange because the focus is so much more on Harry
0: yes I agree with that but at the same time the Dementors coming to Hogwarts I think is more than just a we're protecting Harry thing because Sirius Black is convicted of killing a bunch of muggles for no reason killing Peter Pettigrew got out of Azkaban which no one has done before he's definitely deemed Mm -hmm. as very dangerous so while Harry is clearly the person that they're like he's trying to get to them I don't think that anyone is thinking oh well Harry's the only one he would hurt and also at the same time I think that the idea of an escaped convict who like has a clear path that he wants to go to Hogwarts I think they're really just hoping that that's how they would catch him, you know, station them around Hogwarts because that's where we know he's going to go. This is the only thing we can control. So to bounce off of that, what I was trying to say about Dumbledore is that I think that this is a small indication that Dumbledore never quite believed this but Dumbledore totally knows what these fucking Dementors are like and doesn't think they're good to be around
1: children. There are two themes that you talked about there too. The one, of course, is the Dementors and how they're just a terrible idea which we get to in a couple minutes mm-hmm. and then the other one is the focus on harry while it's not like oh harry's the only one who could get hurt you said he's the center of all of this mm-hmm. and that is very very apparent because the next thing to kind of happen after all of this is quidditch practice and at first McGa is like you probably shouldn't go out and do this anymore you know we have to keep you safe in so many words. Yeah. And then that's when she has Madam Hooch come to rehearsals to like To rehearsals.
0: After. I love it. To practice. Yeah. Rehearsals. <laughs> Madam Hooch be falling asleep like always.
1: Oh, it's falling asleep at rehearsals. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we imagine but- <laughs> But, but we've seen it happen with like hogsmeade not completely because he didn't have his signed permission form but there was almost the additional you probably shouldn't be going to hogsmeade anyways because this guy is on the loose and yeah the thing about like the cars that picked them up at the leaky cauldron for the ministry of magic and so we see more and more and more of that but i think it's also a good point to say that you know this is someone who has escaped from azkaban and even though what did happen in chamber of secrets was a very big danger to the student population it was the second time it happened <laughs> Just, there is that at least and even for some of that Dumbledore wasn't even there to get mad in the first place
0: I think it's interesting that she gets ready to tell Harry and he already knows Obviously, I think it's very interesting that McGonagall just makes the choice to tell him. I wonder what kind of things are going through her head when she's like, I'm going to tell Harry that, listen, Sirius Black actually um, is after you, but I need to explain away what I'm doing. So that's why she's going to say it. I'm wondering what's going through her head, I guess. I want to keep that in mind when we get to the next chapter.
1: For sure, because it comes up again there. I do like how she is like, well, I still want Gryffindor to win, so let me figure out a way that you can actually play. And it is something that gives you joy, and with all these fucking sheets hanging around here, draining all the happiness sheets out with of teeth. everything. Yes. The fact that she still allows him to do Quidditch, I think, is really, really lovely. I'm kind of stuck on what you said though, because I was like, Oh yeah, that is kind of interesting. I think it definitely says something about McGonagall. We all know that she's HBS She is Quen among Quens, the Quen of Quens, if you will she's doing a great leadership thing there and like okay this is not an easy thing to for me to tell this kid it's a terrifying thing but i know that he's brave and that he has proven himself in the past. I think that this is the right thing to do. I think that's probably where she's coming from.
0: I think it is too. The former otters mm-hmm. they were all in her house. It's not like a mentoring thing, but just kind of like recognizing his father was my student and Sirius Black was my student. This child kind of deserves to know a little more. I think it's almost like a coaching
1: kind of thing. Yeah. Because you said, said it's not like a mentor. And I was talking earlier about how we have like a mentorship thing at mm-hmm. work. And purely it is like an impartial thing and it's more of like being someone who can listen and everything. But a mentor is not a coach. Like I should not be coaching or doing anything like that.
0: I think McGonagall is actually a mentor to Harry. I'm thinking more about not James and Sirius. I think I was thinking of two McGonagall, James and Sirius, and also Lupin and Pettigrew, but not important right now. Those were her students, but like Harry feel like she's already kind of been like i have to mentor this child because she knows what his background is his muggle life is shitty he doesn't have an actual adult figure and i think she like kind of cautiously tries to mentor him maybe
1: that's a good point because i was going to say something just like that coach is interesting because she's a teacher Mm -hmm. you know but i think that this is outside of the realm of what a teacher is too she's choosing to mentor on top of being a teacher so it's like a boundary thing and speaking of like good leadership we also see another good leader in this moment madam hooch i'm just <laughs> <laughs> Madam hooch madam hooch isn't good at anything
0: oh. um, i'm talking about oliver <laughs> oliver is lovely here but i think he's the only one being smart he's like hey let's take this seriously everyone else mm-hmm. is being either like giggly over cedric diggory or silly because their friend george
1: I just had a thought. What if I should do a new counter? It's every time we say serious, but not meaning serious black. But I'm going to recant that right now because I do not want to edit all those things back in. (laughs) So uh, pass. But yeah, I think that Oliver does take a really good stance here, Uh, just in general. And I said it, it was in the last chapter. It was one of the last chapters. How far he's come from the last book as well. Same thing in this instance. And of course, you already touched on it, but we meet Cedric Diggory here, which is important for the he future. He is very important. I thought that was interesting because obviously we're not to the movie part yet, but he is not mentioned in this part of the movie. And uh, I don't like that. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so. One more thing about Cedric. Mm-hmm. Cedric is the seeker and the captain. And, and this is the first time he is both in one year. How did he manage that? Perhaps he transferred from like another position or something, but the way that it's read, it almost makes it seem like, oh, we have a new person on the team who's the seeker and it's Cedric and he's also the first time captain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, go you Cedric, I guess. Cedric is the best. Obviously. Before we get back into Quidditch, though, this is where we have the legendary page three hundred and ninety-four moment. Three hundred
0: and ninety. A fucking people.
1: asshole.
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: He is bad, man. He is this,
0: terrible in this chapter.
1: He's terrible in this book. Well, yes, like,
0: this is not a good book for him.
1: He was bad in the previous books, but at least I could kind of like be devil's advocate. You can't. Like he is being petty and he is being <clears throat> unprofessional. Not just to the students, but you should not be this much of like a bad mouther to your colleague when you are subbing for him.
0: Yeah in front of your
1: students Dick. Yeah. So
0: yeah, so Snape comes in to defense against the dark arts because Lupin is not well and he has like all these students who are really like Lupin trying to tell him what's going on and he's a bitch to them and he's a bitch about Lupin and I just hate him.
1: This whole scene made me think of like subs at Hogwarts. Obviously, there are times when a teacher is going to be sick. So do they all sub for one another? Because they already have all of their other courses and stuff. And like, obviously, I'm not a teacher. I don't have a teacher bone in my body. I, I couldn't, <laughs> could never do that. When you have a sub, you, I assume, give them your lesson plans and your curriculum or whatever, however that works. And they have to follow that. I'm just kind of like spitballing here. But maybe they have it set up that obviously Snape is going to be the sub for Defense Against the Dark Arts. Or maybe there's a buddy system where it's Defense Against the Dark Arts and potions or some bullshit like that. Yeah. If that's the case, you can't just like go rogue. And this is doing it in the most like petty, unprofessional way possible. He's just being
0: an ass. Everyone in the class is being like, no, Lupin's great. And
1: I can't imagine how he thinks that this is making him look good either. And again, we're not to the movie yet, but like in the movie, it's the Slytherins are there too. There are some times where I think that Snape just like pushes his chest out because his own house is there. Yeah. But this is one of those moments in the book where it's like, no, he's just doing this for the sake of doing this. How much worse are you going to get in this book snape i mean obviously we will be talking about that but
0: this is where ron gets to be fucking great and he says to snape you asked us a question and she knows the answer why ask if you don't want to be told Mm -hmm. sassy Mm
1: -hmm. ron weasley this isn't even just, I mean, it's its pretty sassy, but it's not tongue-in-cheek. It's him standing up.
0: Really. And
1: we have already talked so much in this podcast about like, oh, if they weren't Gryffindors, which house would they be in? Blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of times where, other than being a Weasley and continuing to be in Gryffindor, he sometimes comes off as a coward or this or that or whatever. We always talk about how people tend to not give Ron the light of day. The sassiness can almost be, like, interpreted as bravery, I think. It takes a lot of balls to say something like that to him.
0: So at the end of this section is when, you know, Ron comes back out from... The classroom and tells them what he has to do for his detention which sounds terrible yeah. scrubbing out the bedpans without magic he says why couldn't black have hidden in snape's office he would have finished him off for us
1: it also says something like ron called him a name that made hermione <laughs> gasp ron called snape a fucker yeah he did Yes, you go, Ron. It's not the first time
0: either, (laughs) just the first time in front of Hermione.
1: Which is kind of surprising. Well, it's because Hermione isn't ever fucking there in this Yeah. You know, she's always in some other class. (laughs) This is true. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. When I saw that, I was like, you know that he called him something probably worse than fucker. And I'm like, you go, Ron.
0: So yeah, now it's time for
1: Wittich. The way that the storm is described is very memorable. Like I can remember times even just like going on a hike or something and it starts to rain when it completely soaks you and everything. It definitely kind of gave me flashbacks to some things like that when i was much younger like i didn't play sports or anything in high school but even soccer games when i was like in middle school i guess and like in the middle of a match it starts to rain and it just becomes a muddy cold foggy mess Mm -hmm. it's described in such a good way but on top of it they have to fly in this shit this is
0: (laughs) terribly dangerous
1: i'm no meteorologist but i wonder what the chances are of them getting like struck by lightning or something
0: Well, I mean, it's a flying sport, so I feel like it's probably more likely than getting struck by lightning playing soccer, which is probably what Dean Thomas is telling everyone. He's probably like, yeah, well, people get struck by lightning way less in soccer, I'm sure. So stop (laughs) making fun of the West Ham soccer team, Ron Weasley.
1: He calls it football.
0: Does he? It's English. English, Yeah. Sorry, (laughs) I was thinking of my, you know, American copy of books.
1: Oh. (laughs) Yeah, there are always times when I almost have to, like, especially in Philosopher's Stone, because I have an American version. Me for, too, we have the same one. Oh, <laughs> you're not reading your
0: illustrated version. I read my illustrated ones. one, but I this is the one that I'm using while we're, it's cool. going to be slightly different anyway, because my yeah. the illustrated one is the um, British version.
1: <laughs> Danger aside, in this game, I just really, really like the descriptions and it really brings it all to life.
0: I will say at least their opposing team is wearing yellow. So at least they can see the opposing team.
1: That's true. That's true. And of course, we didn't really touch too much on this other than in your summary. The whole reason why it's Hufflepuff in the first place is because uh, Draco is a whiny bitch. Fuck yeah. At the same time, I imagine that green and gray would not be as easy to see in the torrential downpour. Yeah. And then we have this scene where he is going after the snitch and he sees the Grim. All of a sudden, the Dementors come after him he falls out of the sky basically
0: well yeah i mean there is the part where hermione does the spell so he can see oh yeah yeah and then when he's up in the sky he sees the silhouette of the dog sitting in the last row of seats and
1: And then these dementors come after him i touched on this back when we were still on the hogwarts express but i think this is another time where it builds up more of a case for me of why the Dementors are going after him so much. That being that he has a piece of Voldemort in him, it's maybe a little bit more bolstered in this case than back at the Hogwarts Express, especially based on Dementors also going after mm-hmm. people who are in some sort of turmoil. And
0: I think that this is one of the most terrifying scenes in the entire series the progress of how this moves through this scene with like the eerie silence and then like the wave of cold and then he sees the dementors and then it says it was as though freezing water were rising in his chest cutting at his insides and then he starts hearing his mother screaming and it's terrifying
1: I think it's also good to bring up the whole eerie silence thing that was definitely something that popped out to me as well (sighs) Who was it that I was talking about in a previous episode when I related them to the Disney villains and how someone said that Gaston is one of the most terrifying because he's the most realistic? Regardless. I think maybe this is one of the instances where it is one of the most terrifying because it's so realistic. Plummeting to the ground and stuff. And some of the ways that it describes, it makes me think of drowning. Like you said, the cold coming up through inside him and filling him up. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of that sort of imagery not being able to hear anything and it becoming eerily quiet. Like when you're underwater, things are kind of muffled. That's kind of what it made me think of too. So perhaps a little bit more relatable in that sense. No joke. The Aragog scene is terrifying. Terrifying. But like, it's terrifying in the horror movie way. Mm-hmm. This is horror movie too, but it's something that is more tangible and more relatable than walking into a den of giant spiders. Right.
0: When we get to the next section I think that it continues to be terrifying. The entire school just watched someone fall. How many hundreds mm-hmm. of feet? Someone thought
1: he was dead. Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of moments of trauma, obviously, in this series. We talk about it all the time. <sighs> Ginny obviously comes to mind with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when it's in front of the entire student body, and I mean, it made a point to say that everybody showed up for this despite it being a storm yeah it does probably affect some people and you know first years to this point probably have not really experienced anything quite like that sure they all had to have a sleepover in the great hall but it's not as impactful as actually seeing something like this it's like seeing someone get hit by a car i imagine or something like that
0: and then just like the fact that they're children i think it's probably extra scary and then of course the important thing happens where harry finds out that they lost you know how important that is
1: well that they lost but also that his broom is fucking destroyed as well that's why man like these chapters when you think of the starting point to the end point of every chapter that we've covered so far like we start with them all sleeping together in the great hall that sounds really and, fun. And well, it's it wasn't the best circumstances, but yes, it does sound fun. But then it feels so far away from that to now be outside in this like torrential downpour you just dropped a hundred feet or whatever. And your broom is now completely destroyed. One right. of your favorite possessions that they've been like alluding to it throughout this whole book too. You know, the caretaking set that he got for his birthday and the firebolt that he saw in Diagon Alley and all of that. That may have been almost like a culmination of like little like hints here and there mm-hmm. up to this moment. And of course it gets better <laughs> eventually. But,
0: you know, Hermione telling Harry what they're seeing versus what he experiences he doesn't remember Hermione telling him about how angry Dumbledore was about Mm. the Dementors and she says he whirled his wand at the Dementors shot silver stuff at them they left the stadium right away that's super important
1: absolutely
0: we will learn later that this was him doing a patronus and i was like oh shouldn't they have seen dumbledore's patronus as a phoenix but if the weather was shitty maybe they couldn't tell so that was yeah i explained that away
1: (laughs) it was also their first time seeing something like that too few of them saw it on the hogwarts express But again, it was like they didn't quite understand what was going on and and everything. And this is another moment of panic, too. So
0: I do want to make one more comment about the Nimbus 2000. They say that in the book that this is like Harry's finally defeated broomstick and Harry had never lost a Mm. match on that broom. He loses one and the broom is no more.
1: That is really interesting. I didn't think about that. So it was really difficult to come up with a fuck, Mary kill for this episode So, uh, unfortunately I don't have one. I have two fuck Mary (laughs) kid.
0: Well done. Well done. I applaud you. Thank you.
1: So what I'm doing is splitting the Quidditch team in half. Okay. I was like, well, there's not really a good trio, but there are six people on the Quidditch team other than Harry. So the first is the boys, Fred, George, and Oliver. This is some bullshit. I know, this is going to be a hard well, one because it's all good people. <laughs> I'm going to kill Oliver. Oh, man. And I'm
0: going to fuck Fred and Mary George.
1: Okay. You don't think they're going to get jealous?
0: Well, boiler alert... Fred's not going to make it through the series. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I'm going to marry the one that's going to
1: make it. <laughs> this might seem a little bit cruel, but I'm going to put Fred out of his misery early. <laughs> Yikes! Because I'm like, well, they're the same person, basically. No, they're not. So, Give them credit. So I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to kill Fred. Wow. I can't believe I'm saying that, recording it, <laughs> and publishing it. But this is one of the situations you got to make some tough decisions. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna kill Fred. I'm gonna fuck George, and I'm gonna marry Oliver. The book Oliver, not the movie Oliver, because in the book he's constantly referred to as being burly. Yeah. And I like that. And in the movie yeah, he ain't. No, he's very cute, sock. but
0: he's he's very little. And not. He's a wet
1: sock. Dobby would like to take him home in the movie, but not <laughs> me in the movie. If we were talking about the movie, it might be a little bit different. I might have actually agreed with you, but and then of course the second fuck Mary Kill. Pause for music, restarted. Angelina, Katie, and Alicia.
0: Okay, well, because we spend the least amount of time in these books with Alicia, I'm just gonna kill her because I don't know really anything about <laughs> her.
1: That's exactly what I was gonna say too. And
0: I'm gonna marry Katie and fuck Angelina.
1: Yeah, you the nail on the head for me. Yeah, Because you know that Angelina knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And Katie, I don't know. I feel like I have a soft spot. Also, Angelina, I think, actually
0: marries George. So really, at the end of the day, you know. Oh my God,
1: you're in a throuple with George and Angelina. (laughs) Because I'm already married to George, so. There you go wow that was good you didn't even know what the second well you kind of knew what the second one was gonna be but... I, I did yeah he made it pretty yeah, clear i agree <laughs> i'm gonna also kill alicia and then i'm going to marry katie and fuck angelina yeah angelina is also the president remember
0: oh, yes she's the best
1: oh if only she was maybe we would have good health care right now So, so there's a movie uh, that goes with this book. There is. The movie version of The Sleepover does not look as fun as it does not the no, movie.
0: The no. No. Uh, not at all. <laughs> we don't get as much information in the movie version of The Sleepover, which is fine, I guess. I feel like that scene could have been more interesting in the movie. I don't think it's bad. I think it's visually very nice because the whole movie is visually appealing but and then the next thing we see is fence gets the dark arts which is missing all of the sass and the interaction and I want that however Mm -hmm. the winner of this scene is Alan Rickman
1: (laughs) I will say in the book, I still think Snape is a bigger dick. Oh God, yes. And he takes a lot more points away in the book and everything there. But this is one of those like really memorable magical scenes. And I, part of it is because of the way that he says page 300. Oh
0: God. And because he's perfect.
1: Yeah. We obviously don't get that little in between portion like of Quidditch before class either.
0: And you don't get to have the McGonagall and Harry moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we get enough of that protection of Harry thing. Um, and we had the moment already earlier. I mean, it sucks because a lot of times when we do cut some of those crucial moments where McGonagall is telling Harry something, it is despite McGonagall and despite Maggie Smith, which is unfortunate, but.
0: Yeah, because she's the fucking I mean, best.
1: Yeah, if they're going to cut certain things, I suppose it sort of makes sense there. Now, the whole Quidditch match, on the other hand, I think they do it really well. Like, I think
0: they do too. The Grimm shows up as a cloud in the sky, not It shows in... up in a
1: cloud.
0: Right. Which I don't like.
1: You don't. I kind of like it.
0: Here's why I don't like it. And that's not how Harry sees it. He sees the times he's well, seen the Grimm other than when Trelawney's being a psychopath. We'll find out later he actually does see the black dog.
1: It's actually opposite in the movie Mm -hmm. from the book. So in the book, first he's just a figure, not the dog. right? And then he sees the actual dog in the stands to an extent. I do think I like the cloud a little bit better. I think the the image of the dog in the stands in a movie isn't quite as impactful.
0: That's fair.
1: And I think that's why I like it in the cloud, because it's a symbol, too. Like, the whole thing of it showing up in the tea leaves and everything. That's fair. But at the same time, like, if he... Saw it in the stands, it would kind of tie back to the serious thing and serious being an anime guy, which we don't know, which is why I think I do like okay. him showing up in the stands in that case because it's still the tie back to, oh, yeah serious black is here and then when you go back and see it you're like oh my gosh he was watching the match or whatever no so i get what you're saying we do not get the little time out with hermione's spell which i think could have easily been done and kind of cute but whatever they got to cram a lot into this movie anyways then the big thing that is different is of course that that ain't cedric who is a seeker for the Hufflepuff team <laughs> I think at least mentioning him here in the book is helpful for everything that happens in the fourth yeah. book.
0: I'm glad that he's mentioned in
1: this book. I mean, otherwise, like in the movie, I always kind of felt like the way that they played it off was like, oh, who's this like new person mm-hmm. who's all of a sudden like being mentioned and is a Hufflepuff, you know? Right. So I don't like that, that it's not Cedric. They cut it, obviously, because they didn't have the conversation earlier about Cedric, which is a shame. <laughs> it's building things up to the movie, but... Again, I guess they got to cut something. So this whole chapter in the movie for me gets a B minus. Yeah. I think yeah. they do fine, but.
0: I mean, the scene in the hospital wing is fine. I wish that it had had the whole team. I think it would have been really cool to see the whole yeah. team there. Whatever. I mean, it told the story.
1: I do like Seamus and Neville in their face paint. I think yes, that's a nice touch. That's fun. They beat their faces and set that paint in because it is not streaky or anything. And it was raining outside. So.
0: Right. They knew what they were. They was know doing. how to beat a mug. there's a spell for it i don't know maybe flitwick taught them some kind of charm
1: they're gonna become drag queens
0: (laughs) i think that's what seamus is doing with his life now
1: i mean neville longbottom doesn't even have to change his name because that's a drag queen name right there (laughs) tara would bottom long for neville longbottom there are so many point exchanges and it's all over the place
0: okay go where Where do i start
1: plus five to cedric for being fair we didn't really touch on it but the fact that he was like i want you to do a rematch i like that i think it already shows some of his character he's just like kind of mentioned in passing and everything and we love cedric and so i would wanted to throw him the five points there plus five for hannah for mentioning the shrub (laughs)
0: He can turn into a flowering shrub.
1: Even if that wasn't referred to in Puffs. And you know what? I'm going to give five points to Matt Cox right now, too, for mentioning that in Puffs. Because he mentions that. But even if it wasn't a joke in Puffs, I probably still would have given her points. Because I was like, I like that. That's weird. (laughs) Plus five to the Nimbus 2000. Rip. Rip. (laughs) Plus 10 for McGuffer, that little moment they have. Plus 10 for Ron for calling Snape a fucker. Plus 10 to Hermione for the impervious spell, because I like that. Plus 10 to Oliver for his leadership. And plus 10 for Dumbo for being so angry. And then negative 5 to Draco, because get over it. And negative 50 for Snape for actually being a fucker that Ron told him that he is. (laughs) Snape has, like, sunk to the bottom, let me tell you. Because he sucks. (laughs) Not to the Nevalon bottom, but to the rock bottom. (laughs) So to recap, plus five to Cedric and Hannah and the Nimbus 2000 and plus 10 to McGa, Ron, Hermione, Oliver, Dumble, negative five, Draco, negative five, Snape. That's chapter nine.
0: That is chapter nine.
1: Yeah. That was the journey. Uh, It was. These chapters are journeys.
0: Chapter (laughs) 10, the Marauder's Map is
1: coming up and I am stoked. You didn't let me say my joke. I was going to say these chapters are where you can go buy some hats and shoes. (laughs) that's a bad joke it's a really bad joke but i love you yeah next time we're reading the chapter that i thought this chapter was because i forgot this chapter existed (laughs) i'm very eager to get to the marauder's map oh
0: my god but we'll talk about that it's a long ass chapter so see you next time for a long ass chapter
1: and it is nine o'clock
0: fuck Oh, my God. We we're going to be talking for ah. a long more time.
1: And Tara, you need to get liquored up because you didn't drink. Anything. I know. She drank water during this I did. Episode. I have to go
0: get some wine. So we're going to need to take a short break for me to get wine.
1: <laughs> Man, I was like going hard with my wine that I didn't like because it was too sweet and peach mm-hmm. and honey. Aha. What a crazy person I am I for drinking that. Fucking up most of my words during this podcast. <laughs> We'll see anyways bye come bye back <laughs> come back yeah that's it come back hurry <laughs> back
0: basic snitches is produced and recorded by adam bowers and tara corkery edited by adam bowers
1: and published by tara corkery via podbean and now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts
0: a special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us we hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice.
1: And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at basic snitches or email us at basic snitches at gmail.com.
0: We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch, Catch you later, snitches! snitches.